Hope it's going good. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, I have an awesome guest on the show today. Uh, You're going to hear from Ray Zaragoza. Ray is a singer-songwriter, protest folk singer, awesome human being um, who's just written some amazing songs lately and has uh, a beautiful, emerging, highly successful career as a songwriter. Um, Ray's based out of Long Beach, California right now, Um, has toured with Dispatch, did a big uh, run of shows with Rising Appalachia last year, uh, and is scheduled to put out a new record in the fall. And, and um, you really, I, I think you'll really appreciate Ray's perspective on what's going on in the world right now. And uh, she's an advocate for artists and and communities all over the planet, um, and is really one of these people that um, is going to guide us into a better world. So, I hope you enjoy this conversation. Here is Ray Zaragoza. Oh, by the way, uh, welcome to the Garden. I'm Luke Wallace. Let's go. Ray Zaragoza, thank you for coming on this podcast. Thanks for having me. You're such an inspiration in the world, and I'm just so oh, grateful stop. that we've been able to connect over these last couple I weeks. Um, yeah, me and I know, I know everyone here is really going to love what you're doing. And so um, I gave an intro, obviously, before uh, I started this podcast, so people have a, an idea of what you're about. And so I just want to dive into the present moment with you. Um, we both do this like social justice songwriting musician thing and it mm-hmm. uh is a bit of a raw space to be in because we have to look right at the world and yeah. there's if we want to make good art and um connect people and inspire people and and really just like share our heart with the world we got to look right at it and so i'm wondering mm-hmm. how what's your process or h- how do you balance looking right at what's going on without getting overwhelmed it's a great question. I think I'm still figuring that out because as an artist that, you know, has really no other choice than to write about the world around me, um, just because that's what I'm drawn to most, you know, I'm drawn to write about the things that are most difficult to write about. Cause that for me is where that's where the art lies in that dissonance and in that difficulty and in that, um, darkness. And so it's impossible to look away, but you have to balance that because if you look, if you don't know how to look away at some points in your, in your day and acknowledge the difference between what is affecting the world and what is affecting um, you in that present moment, you're going to get, you're going to drown, you know, like obviously um, COVID is affecting all of us at all times. It's affecting the world. It's affecting our families, it's affecting everything and it's a very dark place. But right now, sitting here with you, Luke, on my uh, on Zoom in my apartment, COVID itself is not affecting me right in this very moment. So if I'm spending my whole um, conversation with you um, panicking and having anxiety over COVID, it's actually not doing me, the world, or you any favors. So we really have to find that space of looking at the world and not letting it consume us and let us drown in it, you know? Um, And I think a lot of times I even feel guilty saying that of, okay, at certain times I'm not going to think about the world's injustices and the world's sorrows because it almost feels selfish, right? We're like, oh my gosh, if I'm not thinking about the world and what I can do to have, 
solve its problems and what I can do to be a part of the solution at all times that I'm being a selfish person. And I think as artists, a lot of times we get into this, like I'm a selfish person imposter syndrome because there's so much we want to do. And there's so much that we speak about in our songs. And just because you um, sing about environmentalism doesn't mean you have all of the answers to solving the world's environmental issues. And so I think for me, what helps me most is to acknowledge that I am still a speck in the greater world. And no matter how hard I try, I'm not going to be able to, um, you know, create world peace with the snap of my fingers. And so acknowledging that as an artist and as a human being, I'm most effective when I am well and when I am um, at peace and knowing that maybe there are times in the day when you do look directly at the, um, the difficulty and times when you really just look at what's in front of you. Um, I think that's my way. It's always coming back to the present moment, even when I get lost in the world's, um, you know, difficulty. Yeah. Yeah. Nice one. And you know, the memo that I've been getting from a lot of people lately and particularly like some of the most radical activists, mm -hmm. um, you know, some of the most marginalized members of our society, Yeah, th they speak so clearly about the need for joy as well. And sort of yeah. like how, how, when our entire Instagram feed just becomes depressing videos and social justice and racial justice oriented mm. things, we sort of lose all of our power. Um, yeah. and so like, what about, the last while, um, where have you found the joy in the last while? And like, what do you do in your life that sort of brings that balance so that, so that you're, you know, you're mm -hmm. full enough to be able to look right at the problems we're talking about? Yeah, that's a great question. For me, uh, I found joy in roller skating. <laughs> I've noticed. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, because I was finding that on social media, everything was about um, racial justice and everything was about COVID and everything was about all these amazing movements that we need to be paying attention to. Um, the movement for health, the movement for racial justice. I mean, you know, racial um, issues and, and racial justice has been my, my greatest um, focus for my whole life, and especially as an artist. And um, it's been overwhelming from day one. And I think that I was realizing, oh my gosh, like everything I'm reading is really triggering you know, as a brown woman scrolling through Instagram, I was just feeling really seen and really triggered at the same time. And that's a very interesting place to be because yes, it's amazing that our all eyes are on um, racial justice, but also as someone who, um, you know, has dealt, I mean, and I know it's much worse for others, I can, I can imagine, but for some people who have dealt with, um, dealing with the like having a politicized identity for their whole lives of being a person of color and then having it in your face at all times like sometimes can be really overwhelming and so i started a separate instagram account um for just roller skating videos and so you know on my main music instagram account i'm always engaging i'm always um participating in the movements and in uh, being politically active. And then on my roller skate account, it's just roller skating. <laughs> yeah. And that has been um, really helpful for me because, um, you know, no matter what's going on in the world, we still have to take care of our bodies and we still can be joyful. And that for me is roller skating. <laughs> so it's been really fun. Yeah, nice one.
Um, it's been amazing to watch what has happened to the music industry since March. Uh, yeah. And th this sort of tandem thing that's going on, which is like, I'm seeing the, the COVID reckoning um, of live music venues, of just the entire infrastructure that was behind touring, all the stage techs and like mm -hmm. everything that has to do with that. It's, yeah. it's, it's thousands of people. Um, and then there's also the, the, what the um, sort of the, the, the spotlight on the Black Lives Matter movement and, mm -hmm. and on, you know, gender equality and all these things, what that's doing in reflecting upon the music industry. And I'm seeing mm -hmm. like a lot of pretty awesome conversations happening where it's sort of like, where we can see clearly the music is the, the industry itself especially the high levels of the industry are dominated by mm. white men labels mm. are almost exclusively white artists especially mm. here in canada um wow and, and it's sort of like to watch this these simultaneously re reckonings happening is it's frustrating because we have to look at it and it's like wow mm. we don't want it to be as bad as it is but but it is and so um before i ask you about your patreon i want i want to hear like my reflection on this has been like this was always going to happen to the music industry whether it was covid or something else right this the industry was destined for something new because it wasn't working we weren't mm -hmm. you know the market was kind of valuing artists like at almost nothing and yet we mm -hmm. know how valuable music is in our lives mm -hmm. um we you know venues are relying on ticket sales to try and pay their rent which is just like a ludicrous exchange mm -hmm. like it's really and so this was coming whether it was COVID or something in the next couple of years like the industry was going to have to be shaken up and reoriented to really value um right the art that it supports and i wonder like where your sort of perspective is on on the current state of the music industry relative to both covid and and sort of the mm -hmm. this this striving for um racial and gender equality yeah you know with the covid piece and with music what's what's wild is that i think for both things you know with everything going on whether it's like the racial justice movement and with COVID and everything, everything's just getting taken apart. Everything that we thought we knew and that the rules we were going by were like, oh wait, actually those rules don't apply. You know, and with music, we had all of these systems that were so dependent on so many things that actually don't exist anymore in a COVID world, you know, venues relying on ticket sales, um, you know, artists relying on touring, um, people relying on these power structures that were incredibly racist, that no one was acknowledging. All of that is just getting blown to smithereens and it's all getting exposed. And we're like, okay, here are the pieces. What are you going to do with them? And for me, it's a confusing and dark and scary time but it's also a really empowering time because it's like look all of these things that you thought would never change are changing so what are you going to do with that and when it comes to touring and music and covid i think that a lot of us are realizing that we can get so creative and we can make careers as artists in ways that we never knew were possible and that there were always these gatekeepers of what you can and cannot do. But we're seeing now that a lot of these gatekeepers are either obsolete because of COVID or are being exposed of so much injustice that has been going on for so many years. So, hey, actually, this person or this entity that you thought was in between you 
and your music career or whatever it may be, that is gone. And so what are you going to do with it? So it is kind of this chaos and this madness. And it's like, how are you going to focus and see through that chaos into something that you can turn into something beautiful? And I think that's a very crazy thing because for me as a touring artist, I always thought that there was only one way to make it as a musician. And that was going to be through touring and that I was going to have to be this road warrior till I die. And that was the only way to make it happen. But actually the road was a really difficult place to be. It was really hard. It was like as a artist without a label, without tour support, it was just rough. And being able to realize that there are ways to make a career at home and without um, all of that, you know, difficulty on your body has been really empowering. Um, and then, you know, with the movement and everything, we're also realizing that, you know, what's something that I took away, especially from marching in the streets and uh, during, you know, the Black Lives Matter protests was that, yes, we are in a pandemic and that's a life or death situation, but racial justice is also a life or death situation, you know, and that put a lot of things into perspective for a lot of people and seeing how many people showed up and marched in the streets during a pandemic, I think was something that everyone needed to see. So I think in the end, both the pandemic and the racial justice movement happening right now is all parallel because all of it, it's everything is being exposed and everyone is like, oh, wow, all these things that we thought could never change are changing. So what are you going to do with it? Yeah. Wow. And what are some of those creative solutions? Like, what are you dreaming up for the future of your career that doesn't involve 250 shows a year going back and forth across North America? Oh, my gosh. So many things. Um, well, one would be, uh, I mean, we, Patreon, you know, Sweet. Patreon always. Um, it's so funny, too, because I was always on my soapbox about Patreon forever and screaming it from the rooftops for all artists to get on there. And then everyone was like, nah, I don't know. And then as soon as COVID hit, I'm getting all these DMs from people being like, you were right, can you teach me how to make a Patreon? Yeah. And um, so I'm, I, I honestly am grateful that I was on there long before this pandemic, because now it's, you know, it's people are suffering. It's not as much, it's hard because we need, artists need support, but so does everyone else, you know? Yeah. And um, and then um, I started a podcast, <laughs> and so hoping that will grow, and um, starting to write more essays and, and send things for publishing, and starting to write a book, um, doing more music for like sync and stuff and like that, um, and honestly just doing a lot of virtual performances and getting paid the same amount as you would be in person. So it's like yeah. people are realizing, I mean, even people who work office jobs, like, wow, we were spending so much money on this office space and we don't actually need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking from like an environmental standpoint too, it's like, oh, wow, touring is incredibly awful for the environment. And I always felt this weird dissonance about being an environmentalist and being a touring artist. Yeah. It just feels funny. And just, you know, consciously turning my, my, you know, my back to the fact that um, how many flights I was taking, how many cars I was driving. And being able to just do so much from, uh, from my home, I literally get in my car once a week to me just feels a lot more aligned with myself as an environmentalist. And so that's also been an interesting thing to think about. Um, 
but yeah, lots, lots of things in the works. <laughs> yeah, and, and you you mentioned the other day like this hyper local effort too, and that like that's definitely where I'm hyper local. My my head's going. It's like well, there's actually like. I mean, especially where you are, it's like in California, like a small town is still like 25,000 people, you know, where yeah. like where I'm at, like a small town is still viable, even if it's only 2000 yeah. people, like you can still go and play to 200 people in that town and come out of that mm -hmm. night with 1500 bucks. And it's just like, I, I think that might be the shtick from now on. It's just like, well, how do you build? Local. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, local is so big because how many times have local artists been pushed to the side because of a major touring act coming through your city? Yeah. gotten your shows canceled or just okay uh the major touring act is playing at the thousand cap venue but i'm like a hometown hero playing for 200 that i usually could sell out but no one showed up because the other major touring act got booked the night before and they just had a huge thing it's and you know venues are always putting have to put the major acts ahead of their local acts because that's it's, a, it's all a business it's a money thing and so if we put all of our focus or a lot more of our focus into local touring and local shows and everyone could really nurture their hometown um, audience, that yeah. could be incredible. And then the community is built that way. You become so close with the artists that are actually in your backyard that actually are singing about the experiences and that you experience and referencing the, the streets that you grew up on and referencing the beach that you go to every day i mean to me that's that's so special and i had hardly played local shows um because i was always touring and um i really think that's a way that we can not only um you know survive as artists during a, a pandemic but it's so much better for the environment <laughs> yeah yeah totally yeah um okay so let's talk about patreon then so yeah. we both have a patreon page and yours is awesome and like Tell, first off, just tell us about your Patreon page, but then also tell us about like what, why you love it and like what are the energetics behind it that make it so attractive yeah. for you? Oh, I love Patreon so much. Um, one of the main reasons I love it, which is not even about the financial support or anything, is that it feels like it's a safe space. You know, especially right now, cancel culture and with all of this social media stuff um, and with being someone who's outwardly a social justice performer, as the two of us are, I mean, it's a lot of pressure. Um, I feel like I have to, I'm more careful about what I post than ever because, um, you know, I just, I feel like anything I say is holds a lot of weight right now. And publicly posting things to me is just, is more heightened than ever. As I'm delicate with and making sure that I speak perfectly and eloquently and all of that. And so I feel like social media right now is a very tense place because there's a lot going on in the world. Patreon feels like this place I can process and I can be more raw and vulnerable and in maybe not, you know, just, just kind of say whatever is on my mind and I can bounce it off of my patrons because they know me. Uh, very well because they've been following my career for a while or they're people who are just very invested and so I love that like today I wrote a poem about insecurity and I wrote a poem about feeling like I'm never enough and, and having that anxiety and having my patrons read it and then comment about it it just feels like a very safe place I mean I had an interview with Katie Tunstall on my podcast that she talks about how yeah it's great because there's usually no trolls on Patreon because they have to pay for it yeah and so it's like you can pay five dollars a month to troll me if you want to um 
But I just feel it was very supportive space to try new things, show new work, and be a little bit more vulnerable than you are on your public platforms. Also, obviously, it's financial support, it's ongoing support. As artists, having, having a monthly income that is pretty much, it's, you know, knock on wood, like pretty much reliable mm-hmm. is radical for, for musicians. Like a monthly income is insane. Yeah. Um, they tell us that we can't get, don't get into this business because you won't have a salary. I sorry, and that Patreon is my employer. You know, it really is wild. So there's that. Um, and also it's just a sense of community. You know, I really, you know, my Patreon is, I call it my record label. They are, we are called Rebel River Records, it's an actual label entity that I, that I um, officially and on my album CD, it says, you know, Rebel River Records. And I didn't get a major label record deal or anything like that. And so instead of getting tour support from a label, I have my Patreon and, you know, they are my executives, they are my funders, they are my investors, they are my team and in every way that it can be. The only difference is that some people have a team of like, you know, three rich dudes at a label who are telling them what to do. I have like over 200 supporters of my music. It's just just different and it's better. (laughs) I like it better. And um, it just feels like I'm creating music with the people for the people. And that's all I've ever wanted to do. And so for me, I've always thought my career, I value quality over quantity. I'd rather have, you know, 200 to 500, like really devoted fans than like a bunch of people that don't actually care about the music at all, who are just streaming it and have no attachment to it. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. Patreon rules. Really cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So you put out a song um, called Fight Like a Girl. Yeah. Great track. And then you put on, I'm going to link everybody to everything that Ray and I are talking about. You can, I hope everyone right after this podcast goes and just floods Ray with love and uh, (laughs) listens to everything. And, uh, and then you put out a song called the it girl. And I really love that track. Really, 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 really. Um, And that's all part of a new record that you have uh, in the works. So why don't you tell us a little bit about um, that album, the the process of making it and and what what we can expect. Sure. So that record was produced by Tucker Martin, who is pretty producer. He's produced um, records for first for, for first aid kit and the Decemberists and Laura Beers and a bunch of really awesome artists and um, Blind Pilot <laughs> and uh, we we made this record over over a year ago in Portland Oregon. Um, the album title hasn't been released yet, but it will be very soon. And the album basically is a collection about um, my life and specifically my experience as a woman of color. Um, not only my experience, but the experience of my mothers and my grandmothers and of the women um, and of Mother Nature, who's also a a woman of color herself. And um, it really is a collection of stories. And uh, the It Girl is the story about growing very insecure about having brown skin. And I was convinced as a kid that you could only be beautiful if you were white because that's all I saw on television. Um, and I just would go to sleep praying to wake up with white skin. And it's funny, because when I was a kid, I didn't have the language around that. I was just like, her, I want to look like her. I didn't actually understand the difference. I just knew that that's what I wanted to look like. And I didn't understand that, oh, no, like your brown skin comes with a history 
of survival, a history of so much beauty that you should embrace. Um, I didn't understand any of that. And so my whole adult life has been this journey to reclaiming my brown, uh, reclaiming um, my story as a woman of color. And so that's pretty much, and you know, Fight Like a Girl is, um, is, is a similar message. It is a song about um, reclaiming your femininity and understanding that you can be strong and female at the same time. And yeah, so the next single comes out next week. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I got to announce that pretty soon. Yeah. And, um, and then the record will be out in about two months. So that's all getting announced very soon. So really excited about it. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Great. And, so, and, and do we know when that album's going to drop? Uh, the record release date is going to be announced next week as well. So right. stay tuned. All right, all right. People, <laughs> people can follow Ray or I'll, you can follow me too. If you're following me, I'll be posting about when yes. all those announcements. Uh, okay. Well, Ray, we're so blessed to have you in the world and I can't wait for that new music. Uh, I already know it's exactly what the world needs right now. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah. Thanks Luke. Um, yeah. This has been such a sweet time chatting. I, I really, I'm going to post everyone, uh, through to your music and your Patreon below. And, um, yeah, we really will be following along. And I hope when the borders reopen, uh, we can get you back up to this part of the coast. And, um, you know, I know. Well, people... I was actually supposed to be touring up there this fall. Wow. Um, but um, that is going to be uh, postponed. So we'll see. No doubt. Okay, well, again, I'll, I'll make sure everyone knows about it when you do make your way up. And uh, Yeah. Yeah, Me sweet. Too. So grateful for you. Thanks, Luke. Yeah, thanks, Ray. <laughs> All right, that was my conversation with Ray Zaragoza. I hope you enjoyed it. What an awesome human being. In the description of this podcast, I'm going to add in uh, links to Ray's music and her Instagram page and uh, her Patreon page. And so if you're feeling like inspired uh, by the music that you're hearing that Ray makes, please consider supporting her on Patreon. Um, I'll also put in my own Patreon page and that keeps uh, me going as an artist and keeps these podcast episodes coming. Uh, really grateful you took the time to listen to this. I guess we'll do it again sometime soon. Keep shining, everybody.